0: Also, morning trusted Lord will be to us each to bless us as we gather in his name. Our preacher is Philip Eaton from North Wales. Thank you, Philip.
1: Well, thank you very much for your welcome. We're here this morning on the Lord's Day to worship our God together. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we count it a privilege once more on this Lord's Day morning to meet in the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, to worship you, the King of Heaven. Lord, help us in this hour, we pray. We ask for your presence to be among us. Lord, we pray that we will experience something of you this morning. We pray, O God, that you will help us to appreciate your word. Help us, O Lord, to give to you the praise and the worship due to your holy name. So Lord, hear us and bless us in this hour, for Jesus' sake. Amen. We sing our first hymn. It's number sixty. Sixty. God of the Covenant, Triune Jehovah, marvels of mercy, adoring, we see. Seeker of souls in the councils eternal, binding thy lost ones forever to Thee. God of the Covenant. Covenant means God making and going on oath to keep his promises. Promises, good promises that he makes to us. So this is the God, the triune God. We sing our praises to him. Number sixty. Our reading this morning is from the prophecy of Jeremiah. Jeremiah. One of the great Old Testament prophets. Comes after the Psalms and Proverbs. And uh, it comes after Isaiah. The next book after Isaiah is Jeremiah. Chapter 29. Now, these are the words of the letter that Jeremiah the prophet sent from Jerusalem unto the residue of the elders which were carried away captives, and to the priests, and to the prophets and to all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had carried away captive from Jerusalem to Babylon. After that Jeconiah, the king, and the queen, and the eunuchs, and the princes of Judah, and Jerusalem, and the carpenters, and the smiths, were departed from Jerusalem. By the hand, uh, this uh, letter was sent by the hand of Elasah the son of Shaphan, And uh, Gemariah, the son of Hilkiah, whom Zedekiah, king of Judah, sent unto Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. Build ye houses, and dwell in them. Plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. Take ye wives and beget sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters, that ye may be increased there and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city whither I have caused you to be carried away captives, and pray unto the Lord for it. For in the peace thereof shall ye have peace. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Let not your prophets and your diviners that be in the midst of you deceive you, neither hearken to your dreams which ye cause to be dreamed. For they prophesy falsely unto you in my name. I have not sent them, saith the Lord. For thus saith the Lord, that after seventy years be accomplished at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you in causing you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Then shall ye call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. And ye shall seek me and find me, when ye shall search for me with all your heart. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord. And I will turn away your captivity and I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places whither I've driven you, saith the Lord. And I'll bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. Well, we'll stop at that point. May God bless the reading of his holy Word. Our next hymn. I've chosen four. Uh, I, I know that we were going for three. were weren't we at one time, but we've gone to four now. Uh, so, so it's number one hundred and twenty-four. One hundred and twenty-four. I greet thee. This is a great old hymn uh, that comes from Calvin. Calvin's time, or just after Calvin. uh, I greet thee, who my sure Redeemer art, my only trust and Savior of my heart, who pain didst undergo for my poor sake. I pray thee, from our hearts all cares to take. 124. Not for me itself. Right now, then. Let's turn now to the Lord in prayer. Let us pray. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we come before your holy throne. In and through the merits of your Son, our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, we come, O Lord, to worship and adore your great and holy name. You are the Lord of all. You are from eternity to eternity. You are the Creator God. You are the Sovereign Lord of the universe the sustainer of all life. And Lord, we also acknowledge that you are the judge of the living and the dead. And Lord, we praise you this morning that uh, you're also a God of mercy, of grace and love, a God who has planned salvation for us humans. We don't deserve it, Lord, and we are conscious, O oh Lord, that there's nothing in us that is worthy of your consideration at all, and yet you have been gracious, and indeed, from all eternity past, you have planned a redemption, and in the fullness of time, you caused your Son to come to this world. We thank you that the Son of God became the man Christ Jesus and lived among us here as the God-man. We thank you for his perfect life and ministry. He went about doing good and he healed the sick and he taught by word as well as action concerning your purposes and concerning your salvation. We thank you for the many miracles that point us to his spiritual work, as well as to the final uh, glorification of the new world order when that new creation will come in, uh, where there will be no more suffering and no more tears, no more trials and tribulations and no more death. Lord, we thank you for all that Jesus Christ accomplished to bring about this end through his work on the cross. We thank you that his perfect life resulted in his atoning death. We thank you that the one who did no sin became sin for us rebel sinners. We thank you that he who was one with the Father and lived in perfect unity with him uh, experienced what it was to be separated to know that eternal separation that awful that awful eternal death which uh, we deserve but which he undertook on our behalf we thank you that he suffered there the just one for us unjust ones that we might be brought to yourself. We are amazed at this gracious act, this powerful act, this glorious act of God in Christ. We uh, are staggered that uh, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, went through all that agony on the cross for the likes of us that we might not perish but have everlasting life. We thank you for the glorious resurrection morning, your stamp of approval on all that happened at Calvary. Also, the resurrection, the vindication of our Savior, that he is indeed the Messiah, He is indeed the Savior of the world. He is indeed the Lord of glory. He is indeed the one who alone can save us from our sins. We thank you that this morning he is now seated at your right hand. We thank you, Lord, that there is one God and one mediator between God and men the man, Christ Jesus. We thank you that there, through him, we can come to the Father. We have a perfect Savior, intercessor, high priest. We have everything in him all rolled in one. He also, the perfect sacrifice. So, Lord, we come through him and rejoice in God our Savior this morning, and pray, O God, that we will be taken with him and rejoice in all that he has done, and Pray that we might know him uh, really and truly as our own personal Savior. Grant our Father, you would take away our sins, the sins of this past. We cleanse our hearts, O Lord, from all that grieves you and troubles you in our lives, all that is unworthy in our ways. O God, our thoughts, our actions, And things that we haven't done that we should have done, O Lord, we pray, have mercy and forgive us. And cleanse us in the blood of Jesus Christ, your God's Son. Grant our Father that he will uh, cleanse us from all our sins. And help us, O Lord, we pray, by your Spirit, to serve you and to honor you and to put you first in our lives every day and to live to your praise and glory. Oh, Lord, we would also come to thank you for every mercy and grace that you give us day by day. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus and his saving love. Thank you, Lord, for all your care over our lives since last we met. Thank you, Lord, that we are here when many are suffering and are troubled and in need. We thank you, Lord, for the freedoms we have and that we can meet here today. Oh God, thank you, thank you. Oh, make us very grateful. Lord, forgive us when we are so ungrateful and so unthankful, and and so uh, we are, we are so keen to criticize and to and to get upset with things. Oh so, Lord, we thank you for all your mercy. We do pray, O God, for so many in our world who are suffering and who are troubled and who don't have an easy life at all. Those, the people of God all over the world, so many of them persecuted and troubled in all kinds of ways and don't have the liberties and the freedoms that we have, don't have the national health facilities that we have. O God, we do pray for all your people the world over. Guide and keep them, and we pray that they will be a blessing to their non-Christian neighbors and friends, that, Lord, through their witness and testimony, they too will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that you will have mercy upon our country. We pray for those in leadership positions. We pray, O God, for those who have... uh, the matters of state before them, how to deal with the present crises, O oh Lord, grant them wisdom beyond their own abilities. And pray, O oh God, that in mercy you will you will bring them to the end of themselves, to seek you the living God, and Jesus Christ the only Saviour. O oh God, have mercy upon our land. O oh Lord, revive your work we pray. O God, we ask, Lord, your blessing on any who can't be with us here, and ask, Lord, that you'll be particularly near to them, and may they be conscious of your presence. So, Lord, lead us on and forward now in this meeting, and that all glory and honor will be brought to your great name. So we ask these things through Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Our third hymn is number 729, 729. In heavenly love abiding, no change my heart shall fear, and safe is such confiding, for nothing changes here. The storm may roar without me, my heart may low be laid, but God is round about me, and can I be dismayed? Number seven hundred and twenty-nine. <clears throat> My text is from the passage we uh, read earlier, from Jeremiah chapter 29, and uh, verse 11. We could take 11 and 12. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end, that could be translated to give you a hope, And a future. That's another way of translating. To give you a hope and a future. Then ye shall call upon me, and ye shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you. Now, this uh, last. 18 months has been like no one other in our lifetime. Uh, certainly the usual things that we've expected to do each year have uh, often been denied us. And uh, so many of our plans have been ruined. And uh, to cap it all, of course, last Christmas uh, was really messed up, wasn't it? And uh, no big family get-togethers. No special outdoor treats, no hugs and kisses, and this, that, and the other. Well, there we are. Uh, It's all been rather different and weird. And, of course, the astonishing thing is that it's affected the whole wide world, every continent. I do have friends in in various countries, and they tell me uh, of similar restrictions that have afflicted them. Uh, In fact, uh, far more stringent measures in in many places than uh, we've had to endure here. Uh, But but it's it's been difficult. Hopes have been dashed. Uh, For a lot of people, the future has looked bleak and still looks bleak. And it's been quite a trial, especially for those who have lost loved ones. And for those living especially on their own. And there's no, di- uh, no denying that um, some find these pressures, of course, more demanding and challenging than others. We're all different in uh, our physical, mental, and emotional makeups. Well, this morning I'm turning your mind to these very remarkable words written centuries ago, in fact, some 600 years before the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. They are the words of Almighty God through his faithful prophet, Jeremiah. When some hear the name Jeremiah, especially more older people, uh, they think of gloom and despondency and of hopelessness. Oh, he's a Jeremiah, yeah. But that's quite unfair, because as you see from this verse, Jeremiah here gives us heartwarming words that are a real encouragement and point us, as we shall see, to the good news concerning our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But before we go any further, let me remind you of the background and circumstances uh, for this uplifting statement that we've got here. These words are part of a letter, as we we're told at the beginning of the chapter, a letter that Jeremiah sent to Jewish exiles in Babylon. Jeremiah was living in one of the worst of times, you could say. The Babylonians had become a world superpower under King uh, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, who ruled over the Neo-Babylonian Empire for 43 years. Good long time for or, uh, emperor, king in those days, uh, and in 597 BC, he attacked Judah and uh, Jerusalem, and uh, he sent the Judean king into exile in Babylon together with many of the Jewish princes and officers and priests and artisans. Uh, it was sometime after that event that Jeremiah who was living in Jerusalem. A lot of people still left in Jerusalem. Uh, Jeremiah sent this letter that we have here in chapter 29 to the exiles in Babylon. And his main reason for doing so was because some false prophets were telling the exiles that the Babylonian rule would soon come to an end and they would be back in their own land in a couple of years. Well, you know, Jeremiah had a a lot to do with false prophets. There were false prophets before all this happened uh, in Judah that uh, gave him a lot of trouble and heartache. And there were some false prophets who were in Babylon with these exiles already there. Uh, And so... He, he has to put things straight. Uh, in his letter to the exiles, Jeremiah urged his people not to listen to these false prophets because God had not sent them. And therefore the people were not to get their hopes up of a speedy return home. He told them that their exile would in fact last for 70 years. Years, not two years, seventy years. So he advised them to settle down and to make Babylon their home and to get married there, children to get married there and all the rest of it. and even to pray for the peace and the welfare of Babylon. yeah. You can understand why a lot of people thought that Jeremiah was on the side of the Babylonians, because uh, he he prays and he talks like this—all all, all uh, truth that God had given him, of course—and uh, uh, he was really telling them just to settle down. This is uh, this is for the long haul, and uh, so very, it's very good, really, because uh, the the Jews in Babylon, you see, are like Christians living all over the world in non-Christian settings, isn't it? And what are we to do? Well, the Apostle Paul tells Timothy to pray for kings and all in authority over you, you see. It's the same kind of thing, that we might have peace, that we might have, uh, be able to uh, carry on life. Uh, and so that's what uh, Jeremiah uh, is encouraging the people to do here. And but of course the word would have been very depressing for the Jews not two years but 70 years in Babylon well so many of them will, will die in Babylon that would mean and so a new generation would rise up like new generation rose up in the desert uh, after being uh, brought out of Egypt uh, uh, the ones who came out of Egypt died in the wilderness didn't they and a new generation were, uh, came back uh, came back to Canaan. Well, it's a very similar thing here. You've got uh, these Jews in exile. Well, they'll perish in exile, really, and a new generation will come out to uh, the promised land again. Now, a depressing but you can understand. Uh, that's the depressing side of Jeremiah, if you like. Um, uh, <laughs> I mean, this is far worse than being told you can't go home for Christmas, isn't it? I mean, you know, that's nothing, is it, compared with 70 years in exile? Can't come back for 70 years? Wow. Now, nobody likes presenting bad news. Uh, And that's been very obvious as we've watched and listened to the Prime Minister and the leaders of the devolved administrations as they've had to impose harsh restrictions over over the, the last festive season that we had last Christmas and the New Year. Well, Jeremiah was hated for telling the people the truth. He was persecuted for giving the people God's truth. But of course, he was proved right in the end. The false prophets, where are they? No good. They didn't. That didn't come true. But Jeremiah's came true. Jeremiah, the hated one, spoke God's truth. Not only did Jeremiah prophesy the destruction of the temple and of the city of Jerusalem with the vast majority of people being forced to join the other exiles in Babylon, but he told them that they would return after 70 years and indeed that is what happened. The Persians became the next superpower, and the Persians granted uh, the Jews permission to go back and build the temple again in Jerusalem, and build the walls of Jerusalem, and to settle down back in their homeland, 70 years later, as Jeremiah had said. So all this actually happened. What we're talking about took place. And ancient Babylonian and Persian texts, of course, give us added details of these events. So we're not dealing with myths, we're not dealing with legends, but we're dealing with sober history. But, you may ask, why are we referring to all this history? What's it got to do with us today, with all the troubles that we face, and uh, uh, bleak prospects, perhaps, for, for the country? In the coming days, well, it's very important for us to remember that God chose the nation of Israel for a very special purpose, and He chose them. Uh, and He and He uh, He not only chose them, but He spoke to them in many and various ways, particularly through God's servants, the prophets, and God used that nation of Israel and its history to speak to the whole of humanity, which is why we have Jeremiah's prophetic words along with the other prophets of the Lord in our Bibles. Their messages came true, whereas the words of the false prophets were eventually seen to be untrue. And um, you see, the word of God through prophets like Jeremiah not only concerned Israel in their day, but they spoke of God's big picture for the whole wide world. That's why I say we've got these prophetic writings in our Bibles. Jeremiah's message to rebellious Israel at this juncture in their history, you see, is also God's message to us human beings today, wherever we live. These words of God to the Jewish exiles in Babylon speak to us in our circumstances. We're all born in a kind of exile situation. We're not in that original paradise of God, are we? The history of Israel reminds us of our sad state by nature. We're all far off from God by nature. That's how we we're born. And we're all rebels. We've all disobeyed God. In God's sight, we're all wrong. And there is no way we can enter God's heaven as we are. We'd spoil it, wouldn't we? As we've spoilt this earth. We would spoil heaven and make it like our earthly realm. We are not in a good place spiritually. And so Jeremiah tells us, and the whole Bible supports him, that our innermost beings are very deceitful, and that we are in a desperate state. Without intervention from outside of ourselves, the future is bleak. In this condition, there is nothing ultimately to look forward to, but the final exile. Eternal separation from the living and the true God. And that's a bleak prospect. No return forever outside. If there is no repentance on our part, if there is no turning back to God here and now, then there is no good future. There is no hope. Only out of darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. And that's awful. And that is why the Bible spends so much time on emphasizing this bleak future for all humanity without God, without a Savior. The people of Jeremiah's day They didn't like hearing this sort of message. Well, of course not. Who does? They preferred to listen to the false prophets who proclaimed peace and safety. The people, they liked soothing messages that did not prick their consciences and didn't speak of God's judgment. And of course, we haven't changed today, have we? We haven't changed. We want a religion that Suits us. That's that's what we would like by nature, isn't it? Something nice to suit us. The gods that so many want are ones we humans can manipulate and worship in the way that we desire. Ones that demand very little of us. Gods that will not judge us. Gods that will not punish us. But the true and the living God, you see, is. Uh, good and he's pure and he's righteous and uh, he will judge all of us according to his perfect standard people they want justice don't they you hear it every day now on the news almost yes we want justice we want justice we don't want things to be put under the carpet we want it to be brought out in the open let's have justice Well, okay, you will certainly get justice from God. You'll get perfect justice from him because he sees all and he knows all. And so you will get absolutely perfect justice from the living and the true God. Nothing is hidden from his all-searching sight and he treats everyone impartially and he's not bribed. But into this, into this depressing, hopeless situation comes good news. There is the expectation of a return. There is an expected future. There's a future and a hope. The comforting words that God pronounces through Jeremiah are ones that find their ultimate fulfillment in the coming of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. So, as we look at this text, there are two main thoughts that uh, come out of these words in uh, the verses 11 and 12. They speak to us of the history of God's saving purposes, and they also speak to us of our own individual situations. So, in the first place, we are reminded of God's saving plan for Humanity Jeremiah's letter reveals God's promise to visit his people in Babylon at the end of seventy years and to return them back to their land. There is a future and a hope there is an expected end and that is what happened as we've said it was all in, it was all part of, of god's Long-term plan, taking them into Excel and then bringing them back after 70 years. Unlike the plans and arrangements that we make, which often have to be abandoned or rearranged, especially as we've seen under these lockdowns, nothing hinders God's plans from being realized. That's wonderful, isn't it? Nothing takes God by surprise. He is the one who chose Israel in the first place to carry out those plans. In Genesis chapter 3, we have the first great promise that God made to Adam and Eve. At the point where Adam and Eve listened to the devilish voice and disobeyed God, The promise was given that the woman's offspring would gain the victory over the old snake. And then we read later in chapter 12 of Genesis of how God called Abraham, the father of Israel, and blessed him and his descendants with the express purpose, you remember, of blessing all the nations and people groups of the world. He didn't just bless Abram for him to have a nice time with his family and his descendants. No, it was for the purpose, as you read there in chapter 12 of Genesis, verse 3, that all families of the earth might be blessed. You see, these are the thoughts, these are the plans that God has for his people, which Jeremiah here fills out for us a little more. They include plans that concern peace and security rather than evil, rather than calamity. And in the following chapters, these plans are spelt out further in terms of a new covenant, a new era of blessing where God's people would love God from the heart, and would each know God for themselves and desire to keep the commandments out of a love for God. And Jeremiah also speaks of a coming king who would be like David, better than David, and uh, he would be called the Lord, our righteousness. Now, of course, all this has come to fruition in the coming of Jesus. He came to ca- gain the victory over the devil on his own patch, as it were, here, on this, in this earth, in this world, resisting all the devil's temptations and then dying the death of the cross to free people of all nationalities, to redeem them, that they might worship and serve the living and true God. It is Jesus who by his death has established the new covenant. We remember this every time you have the communion here. The blood of the new covenant shed for the remission of our sins. Jesus Christ established it. He is the Lord, our righteousness. He is the one who puts sinners right with the living and true God. So the return of the Jews to their country after the Babylonian exile was in preparation for the coming of the Son of God to live on this earth and to die the death of the cross. Jesus came as a baby to a Jewish home in Palestine and there to live a life according to God's will as revealed in the Bible and then to suffer the worst of all exiles On the cross, as he hung there between two criminals, he endured the awesome darkness of the second death and experienced the wrath of God on account of his people's sins. God forsaken us. Dear friends, that is the final and ultimate exile. The most awesome exile of all. Make no mistake about it, there is a hell to come for all who refuse to repent and to believe the joyful news concerning Jesus Christ. So don't listen to the false prophets of our day and those who joke about hell. It's no laughing matter. Believe the truth of God's word. Believe what Jesus said about hell. Believe what he himself experienced of hell on the cross of Calvary. This is the great divine plan of salvation, dear friends. There is redemption. There is freedom from slavery to sin and Satan through the sacrificial atoning death Jesus, There is redemption through the blood of Jesus, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is God's good plan for humanity, and he has accomplished it through his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the babe of Bethlehem, who became the friend of sinners and who gave his life a ransom for people the world over. That's God's great plan. These are his gracious thoughts toward Israel and humanity in general. Believe them, dear friends. Wonderful thoughts. God's thoughts, these are. But, so he looked at, uh, at, at the uh, sort of uh, saving purpose of God that we find from this, uh, these verses. But there's also a word to us personally. Jeremiah urged his people to call on the Lord, to pray to the Lord. And you see, these words are also for us. God calls us to do exactly the same. Seek the Lord with all your heart. God will allow himself to be found by you. And so it's put, God will allow himself to be found by you if you really seek him earnestly. Just as he promised to bring the Jews out of exile if they would only humble themselves and call out to him, so he promises to bring any one of us out of the cold, out of our lostness, out of our present exile. This exile need not last.
0: Grace
1: in every
0: high and storm. solid rock I stand, all other the ground is sinking sand. This earth is coming,